Hi, I'm Kate. And I'm Mandy. And this is Love Sober. The podcast for the sober and sober curious. Hi there and welcome back to the Love Sober podcast for the sober and sober curious. And this week it's me, Mandy, and I am interviewing a a good old friend who I haven't seen for a while, um, Bumni, who is known as the food addiction coach. And so we're going to be talking a little bit about her sobriety journey, but also her work now, which is a really, really important area of this conversation. So we always start with a check in. How are you doing? I'm very, very good. Thanks, Mandy, for inviting me on your podcast. I'm really excited. Oh, my <laughs> pleasure. Um, and so you're based in London, right? Yeah, I'm based in good old Crystal Palace, London, and uh, loving it at the moment, especially with the pandemic. It's just so nice to, I live in the triangle bit, so everything is just so close, you know, especially with the petrol thing going on, and just nice to be in a, a lovely safe space. Nice. Um, so yeah, we always start a little bit with your alcohol, uh, your journey, you know, to be alcohol free. So what brought you to this decision to go alcohol free? Um, for me, it was it was bad. I mean, it wasn't, you know, I wasn't a high, a high bottom at all. I was low bottom. Um, I was in and out for several years out of rehabs, not being able to um, stop or, you know, binge drink for a few months and then I'd start again. And it just got to the place that I nearly basically kind of lost everything. Um, you know, my, my profession, my family, you know, everything, you know, was about to go. And I remember going into the last rehab um, and couldn't walk, really. Um, that wasn't my primary motivator. I think the primary motivator was, yeah, I just didn't want to die. Mm. Um, and I, I need to get this, I need to get this right this time. Um, so for me, it was 28 days in the rehab and coming out and I said, right, okay, what do I do this time around? You know, I was desperate. So for a while I went to AA, I went to AA for a little while. Um, and, and that really basically, you know, saved my life um, at the beginning. But I knew that I needed to do something more, that my recovery wasn't just in AA. Mm. Um, it was more... What do I need to do to keep myself well and happy? And that the ultimate thing was, I just wanted to be happy. And I never felt happy. I always felt like um, I was in a high state of alert all the time. I was anxious. So I didn't want to be sober and still feel like that. So something just pulled me into holistic remedies. So I'm a, you know, I'm a retired dental surgeon, very scientific. And um, <clears throat> I had um, one lady say to me, um, you know, do you, do you fancy, you know, something more holistic? And I kind of, at the beginning, I just went, oh, rubbish, you know. But, you know, I didn't want to go on things like antidepressants, which my doctor suggested. I didn't want to go down that route because I knew, again, I'm going to become hooked on it. It's not what I want. So she would go and see a shaman, go and see a shaman friend of mine. And um, I kind of chuckled a bit and said, oh, well, I'll do anything, literally. So I went to see Anna, a good friend. She just messaged me, actually. Uh, I went to see Anna and she, you know, she did all her shamanic work on me that first session. At that time, I was going through, um, I was going through a court case for drink driving. Uh, Divorce papers had been served on me. Um, Everything was up in the air. So I was like, yeah, I'm going to try, try this. And I came out on the first session thinking, this feels, I feel a bit different. And 
I felt safe, a little bit safe. So I went back to see her in a few more sessions and I thought there's something in this because I, I actually feel I can get through anything. I can get through it. Um, I feel supported. I feel like there's, I felt optimistic um, despite what was going on around me. You know, I felt like this calm in the storm. Um, so something led me to, I need to find out what's, what, what is going on with me and, and why this is working. Um, and so, yeah, I got really greedy um, about holistic stuff. So it was like the Reiki, I became a Reiki master. Um, I looked into crystals because she used crystals um, on me. And that's why I'm an absolute crystal fanatic um, today. That was another lovely holistic addition to my toolkit, wellbeing toolkit. So it was crystals, it was Reiki, it was spiritual response. I was just NLP. I was doing all of it just to work out what, you know, what will help me and empower me. Um, you know, I wanted to go through life feeling that I'm, I can do, I, I, I'm, I am enough. Um, I don't feel like I need to always look outside to, to help me in many ways. But, you know, my inner journey mm. was what was important. It was an inside job. Um, and I thought this is amazing. So for you know a few years, that was what I was doing and, and helping other clients. And then for me, it just flowered into you know becoming a recovery coach, um, helping you know other professionals around me, um, other doctors, dentists who were struggling. So that's that was my my journey. Um, 2017. Um, so I became a recovery coach. Absolutely love it, love it, love it, love it. And so that was my kind of. <laughs> Um, this is my plan to get out of dentistry and, and do something I really love. Dentistry, very grateful for it. I did it for 35 years, but it wasn't my passion. Yeah. You know, I always sort of kind of did what I was told. So, you know, my, my dad said I want a doctor in the family and um, I didn't want to be a doctor, but dentist was a good compromise, but I never wanted to do those things, but grateful for it. But I always knew that I wanted to help people in another way. And this obviously was a blessing in disguise. What you know, what happened to me in my journey had helped other people. So I went on to becoming a recovery coach. Loved doing that part time. Um, then a lot of people were coming to me with food. Now this is something that happened in my recovery journey. Um, you know, recovering from you know alcohol. I'm now 14 years sober. Well done. I know it's great. Um, but I, I noticed very quickly, I didn't notice very quickly, actually, but what happened was I kind of tripped into the food. So it was the, the cross addiction. I know you're doing addictive behaviours and yeah. and it was. I'm kind of obsessing about certain foods and and, I, and, I, and, I, and I'm, I have to have it and I have to have all of it and I have to go back out there and buy some more of that if it's not in the house. And it slowly kind of snowballed into, oh my gosh, I'm feeling exactly how I felt before, you know, um, binge, oh, sorry, um, you know, binge eating. Um, so let me just switch that off. So, excuse me. That's okay. So sorry. That's off. Um, binge eating. Um, my it was just like everything it was overriding. It's a predominant thought. I have to have my trigger food. I have to have my packet of biscuits. I have to have this. And it was, it started to dominate my day. You know, it was no overriding obsessive thought, you know, stopping various things so I could just sit and have that. I was hiding again, because I was a bit of a secret drinker. So I was hiding food. 
I didn't want my kids to see me snaffling stuff so it would be in my bedroom um, so that furtiveness was back that that kind of isolate let me just and it was interesting because I knew I was going back into those old patterns of isolating again and and I just knew very quickly that this is very very similar to 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 the alcohol mm. dependency um so I just employed those principles again and I just wanted to look into the science of it all and and, and why is it happening and, this, and the neuroscience for me explained everything absolutely everything you know I knew I wasn't weak-willed I wasn't lazy I wasn't greedy or anything like that it was it was a brain you know it was the the anatomy it was the reward system going going you know into overdrive and I have an addictive personality hmm. um, and people were coming to me about food and it really kind of hit me that this is something that is kind of not really talked about as much we talk about eating disorders and anorexia and whatever but not I knew that this was a addictive eating because the behaviors were the same you know, I always say if it walks like a duck, quacks like a duck, flies like a duck, it's a duck. This felt the same to me. I knew there was no difference between my alcohol and my food. Um, so for me, I stood strong with food addiction. Um, this is what I was suffering from. People were coming with similar symptoms um, to what I had. So I was helping them with kind of the method that I helped you know, help myself, very holistic um, way of um, and recovery. And um, so that's where it snowballed. And then I just thought, you know, there is so many people out there. We're hearing it on the news. Where, so I thought I'm just going to go all in and just specialise in um, addictive eating, food addiction, and um, you know, get to to understand the mechanism behind it and how I can create something that is simple and straightforward that can help um, a client. So I developed the R four method, um, which is relationship reframe, resilience recovery. Um, so I developed those strategies for um, for clients and today it's just huge and you know I'm just passionate about getting out there and you know helping the NHS which has got well it's had about a million um, you know reporting that they, they want you know help around weight issues right um, obesity and and the disordered eating um, so, you know, I want to hit schools, education, that kind of thing. So, yeah, really, really passionate. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I, th I mean, I think because one of the difficulties around this area, I guess, is, um, you know, with is the abstinence model doesn't work. Right. Mm. Um, you know, with alcohol, you can take it out of your life food. We need sustenance to live. So yeah. how did you yeah, adapt the process, I suppose? Um, I adapt process by really taking out those what we call trigger foods. Right. So it's the trigger foods. It wasn't food in general. It was the kind of the ultra processed food that hit me. It's the ones with the, the combination of high fat sugars and carbohydrates, the highly palatable processed foods. Those were the ones that always triggered me. Um, and I knew the chemicals in it, the emulsifiers in it and all the other ingredients, which are, isn't food really. Um, I had to had to remove um, so in, in a way there was an abstinence from ultra processed foods right. and it was replacing that with more whole foods. Um, so there was no abstinence, there was no restriction. Um, it was just removing those things that, you know, triggered that phenomenon of craving as right. we talked about. Yeah, yeah, got it. But everybody's different. So one size doesn't fit all. Um, some clients would come to me and, you know, they'd want to try and phase it out gradually 
and, and that is really, really good. I was a high bottom, so I think I could do it quite quickly, mm-hmm. but many people have been, you know, used to kind of eating those particular products year in, year out. So it's a case of, you know, gradually uh, reducing um, those from their, from their lifestyle. Um, so I wanted to go back into your story a little bit um, in terms of shamanic work. Because, you know, people might not know what that was or what, I mean, what, what is it and what did you do? You know, because I'm, I'm a bit intrigued myself. <laughs> I hear like shame. And I think shamanic work is it's just employing all the kind of the elements, isn't it? The kind of the four elements, air, fire, water, earth. And, you know, we're all part of that. We're all connected. And, you know, being able to energetically clear. Mm-hmm. Um, I really do feel that, you know, from an energetic level, um, you know, we need to be, sort of cleared cleanse um so it's not just your two-dimensional stop drinking um I knew I had to you know have a clearing feel energetically better fitter and 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 employing energy medicine routines things like you know tapping or breath work all that crystals are really great to clear energies as well clear chakra points so it's clearing the chakras the seven chakras but also um, mind-body connection could be through yoga, um, just simple breath work, um, meditation, you know, mindfulness, you know, walking meditations. All of those things are very, very good for anyone who's in recovery. It's kind of the opposite addiction. It's connection. So it's mm. connecting with life around us, connecting with the earth, grounding, you know, getting your shoes off, going through a walk in the park, you know, all of those things just really help center us um, and ground us because we are disconnected when we're going through it. Um, we're isolated. We, we, you know, we're not connected to anybody. Um, but that's why fellowships work as well, because there's fellowship, isn't there? Um, but it's connection. It's connection with nature. It's connection with other people. Um so shamanic work is all about just bringing you back into balance. So all those, those sessions that I had with Anna were about bringing me back into balance and then I could carry on doing the things that I did to maintain that. And it's self-care as well. It's, you know, again, opposite of what we do is, you know, self-loathing when we're, when we're you know, we're drinking. It's, it's self-care and, um, you know, radical self-care. You know, she recovers, for instance, which you're part of, um, it's all about and I, that's why I love that you know I love being part of it is because it's all about self-care yeah um, and that's the healer really self-love yes that's the journey isn't it it's not always not always easy but I love that you know that that that, that was the I hadn't really thought about that kind of the element of cleanse and the element of just making space I suppose in your own internal dialogue to be mm. able to access self-love um because you know certainly a lot of women in our community you know there's a lot of shame um Mm. so yeah the ways to sort of clear that out and be able to just you know arrive with yourself um yeah yeah. but it's just having those little rituals so it's kind of ritualistic isn't it you know um you know and again like with you know drinking that there was rituals around drinking and it's employing positive rituals now um, that reinforce uh, what we want um, 
you know, so having that time, having your lovely bath and, you know, your detox bath, all of those things. I never did any of those things at all when I was drinking. Never. I'd be lucky if I, you know, just, you know, just got out of bed and made my bed. And, you know, for me, it was it was all about, you know, bringing all that into my into my life, you know, because ultimately I just want to feel fulfilled. I want to feel happy with myself. Um, so all this had to come into play. But it was all bit by bit and gradual and, you know, little rituals in the day. And and that's all, you know, it's kind of joins the dots, doesn't it, to, you know, freedom from alcohol. Um, you know, it's another day feeling really good. Yeah, so I the- love that. I love that idea of, you know, the ritual side of it and replacing rituals. I mean, that's what Janie Lee Grace always says, doesn't she? She says, you know, keep the ritual change the ingredient essentially you know exactly. uh, which can be yeah. so powerful it's like yeah you don't have to miss out on anything you're just doing things yeah. in a different way that's going to support you and not self-harm okay. yeah. so okay. tell us a little bit about your rituals so how what's your self-care practices that keep you well? <laughs> it's quite it's it's a little bit more lengthy than it um, was but I also find that if I feel unsettled I do more of it. So I think that's I'm just getting it out there to anybody who feels like they're unsettled or they feel unease, um, not a bit nervous, whatever, just do more of what you're doing. Mm. Um, so at the moment, because I've got so much on, um, I'm doing quite a lot of meditating in the morning. So I do like a mindfulness meditation, probably 20 minutes in the morning. Um, using a crystal at the moment it's um, amethyst which is just for peace and focus Um, I kind of do a a mantra to Ganesh which is about clearing obstacles I've got my beads um, so 108 times I have this mantra so I'm sort of doing that just clearing the way clearing the way Um, and then what else do I do I sort of tapping so do energy medicine routine that's a Donna Eden method Um, anybody looks up Donna Eden she does a five minute energy medicine routine she's absolutely amazing she's world-renowned but it's like an um, uh, energy medicine technique which kind of gets all your meridians and your, your your circuits energy circuits radiant circuits running nicely so I sort of do a five minute thing of that um kind of a little prayer um but I will you know do that and then um write gratitude as well so it's a mm. gratitude list um I kind of write down how I'd like my day to be um and that's again five minutes how I'd like my day to be what my goals are um and um yeah gratitude but at the end of the day I'll do like um that kind of what was the synchronicity I always look for I expect synchronicity now so I'll look for what was I call them little miracles mm. um so I write those down and then I do a little again with this kind of thank you for the day. Uh, thank you for keeping me well um, at the end of the day. And then that's it. Oh, I love it. Oh, yeah. And people might go, oh, gosh, that's that's lengthy. But honestly, it's just pays dividends. Mm. You know, honestly, your day feels a lot smoother. You don't feel anything that's stressful in the day that comes up. You don't feel... <gasps> Because what it does is it kind of slows your reward brain down and it brings the prefrontal cortex, the thinking part of your brain. So, you know, anything that comes up unexpectedly, you know, you're going to engage more of your thinking 
decision-making brain better than the reactive impulsive yeah. and then let's drink on it kind of brain so yeah mm. you know and I and I mean I know you had sort of burnout was part of your journey as well yeah. as, as mine and um you know I remember sort of when I first the first therapist that I went to see you know um after all the tears she was just like right I want you to take two hours for yourself a week and I was just like it's not possible like don't be ridiculous you know it's like two hours is never gonna happen it's never you know I got really angry I was like you can't ask me that it's never gonna happen um (laughs) but you know I spent an hour drinking a bottle of wine every night so I had time but it was just like what I was doing with my time and so I think yeah you you and just sort of peppering your day these little minutes doesn't have to be all in one go it's just like taking a cup of tea going out in the garden you know and just allowing your nervous system to regulate and then just taking a moment all those little things are going to get you through the day so you don't arrive exactly. at like six o'clock and and have that trigger yeah. yeah and that's what's happening in society at the moment it's just like you know it's 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 wired yeah you know it's, and, and that's why I call it a self-soothing society because you know our, you know the brains are now reward system I want it's whether it's shopping whether it's alcohol whether it's gaming um so the whole sort of our society is on a high state of alert. That's how I see it. Yeah. And, you know, and it's, it's, it's the addictive reward pathways that are alert. And that's the dominant part of the brain anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, so, yeah, we need to just take time. Take time. Yeah, take time. And funny enough, when you do take time, because as you were talking about burnout, you know, for me, it was like, I had to get everything done, fill up my list, da 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 and if I hadn't, I felt like a failure at the end of the day, you know, proper, you know, full on ridiculous. If you'd have seen my list then, it would have been. <gasps> but now I get as much done, if not more, and I've slowed down. It's weird. I don't, I can't quite understand that, but I actually get more than I, you know, I have more than enough time to get my work done. Well, that's um, what they, I mean, living in France, that's what, you know, I mean, they, they have a, I mean, it's controversial. I mean, they have a ban on working more than 35 hours a week. So, um, you know, but they're, they're an extremely, like, efficient, effective country. They still get everything done. Um, they just make sure that people are not overworked. I mean, it doesn't work very well yeah. econ- economic, you know, economy-wise. <laughs> but, you know, in terms of well-being, then, and, oh, and yeah. holi- you know, and holidays, they are protected holidays. Um, very good. Yeah, which is something I yeah definitely attracted me to moving here it's just like yeah we actually get time like time with family time you know kids have half half day on a Wednesday you know but the world the the working world is arranged around that you know Um, oh it should be that's I think is that how it should be I think Britain's got it the wrong way around yeah it's just (laughs) and I mean then you look at the US right and they I mean it's even worse I mean they you know some people get one week of holiday a year um it's it's yeah I mean that's again that's why we create the course the addictive behaviors coaching course because we are in this dopamine you know drenched society where (laughs) it's popping out all over this and it's everyone's you know thing it's it's just it's and I love how you're saying a self-soothing society because that's it. It's just like we're all trying to cope. There's no shame in it. And also we're getting it fed to us. I mean, especially Absolutely. on the food side. Yeah. Um, these are... This is why I kind of really want to get into, you know, schools 
yeah. with this. Not enough has been done at that level. Um, so I think they're trying to do you know, a bit of mindfulness, but like, you know, let's have a full on curriculum with including, you know, lifestyle, including, you know, well-being. Mm. You know, this is part of the curriculum, not just like a little add on that this yeah. should be these should be lessons on, you know, and doing a nice meditation space or whatever, um, because we've got a generation who are all wired already. Yeah. You know, yeah. My, in my time growing up, I didn't have the mobile phone. I didn't have any of that instant you know instant gratification mm. um but we've our children are growing up with it yeah and, and especially with the food as well um you've got that on top of um you know eating you know ultra processed foods so we're, we're hiding to nothing if we're not careful yeah um so tell us a little bit about your your new book and the training course, yeah, you know, so, right, so <laughs> all the so, things. Well, the training course is based, the training course I developed a, a few years, we tested it and now it's kind of, I've properly launched it and it's called uh, the Food Addiction Coach Accelerator Programme and it's for um, health professionals, health and fitness pros. Um, I've got teachers on the course now, uh, nurses, but it's for anybody who wants to help their clients um help with their eating behaviors so and that's pivotal if someone for instance a fitness professional is putting somebody through a nice health program and they keep self-sabotaging their their goals with food then they're going to have some idea of how to help the clients with confidence um and it's not for eating disorder so let me just get that straight i'm not dealing with anorexia bulimia these are all proper therapists but we're talking about compulsive eating overeating and food addiction um so it's just helping people help their clients from sort of sabotaging i'm going to be doing a b2c later on in the um year that's coming out later on in the year just before christmas maybe it could be january i don't know but it's again it's it's based on the r4 method which as i said was um relationship to food what's the relationship to food um reframing the client's relationship around food, resilience, so it's all the coping strategies, uh, craving control strategies, et cetera, um, also food planning, that kind of thing, resilience things. Again, it's the mindfulness in there. And then the, the last one is recovery, which is, you know, let's get you started. Let's create a safe home. Mm. Let's get it moving, see how it goes. It's not a diet. It's not um it's not a weight loss thing you know the weight is the last thing that's gonna happen it's, it's getting that person centered now into what is their relationship feeling comfortable with themselves it's an inside job as you know Monday. yeah yeah um, all of that before anything else can happen and the weight will if the, you know if there's a, a weight issue then then fine but not anybody not everybody with food addiction actually has a weight problem and mm. um, this could be somebody's in underweight um, they're saying something like 50% who are struggling with obesity have signs of food addiction, 30% who are overweight have um, food addiction, and I think 20% are underweight or overweight. So it's, it's about the eating behavior, it's about what's happening to you, the mental impact of it, mm. you know, as, as well as the physical impact. Yeah, I mean... I know I, I worked at a treatment center not so long ago and I know that they've got a huge rise in terms of yeah clean eating strict you know 
um, rules around food. So on the on the other side of yes, yeah, that 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 overeating or under or control, it's a relationship, right? Of you know, exactly. I can't I can't possibly have yes. a carb, you know, for example, yeah. or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's great that you made that kind of clarification because again, you know, the program that we're running is, you know, it's there's rec- there's recovery coaching there's working in treatment there's you know this mm-hmm. the dependent um person that needs a, a team around and psychological and psychi- psychiatric support um detox all those things and then there's the the person that is um yeah coping using a coping strategy using it you know to and the more that we can grab hold of those people and I'm sure it's the same for you earlier on yeah the the less likely you know they're gonna develop those you know really problematic things like bulimia and And that's why yeah and that's why I want to get it into schools yeah um because you know you know I was listening the other day to something on the news and the teacher was saying she's not even referring any of her kids anymore to mental health because the waiting list is so long. But she's saying that the, her fear is that they're going to go from a mental health problem to a full-blown eating disorder. It was around food. And it was like, if we can only get some teachers to, you know, say, take my course, which one teacher has, and she just says she's running it through her, her school. Mm. Um, she's just finished. <clears throat> because at least it's holding that space for the for the child you know so it doesn't become a full-blown eating disorder and we might actually because of <clears throat> you know awareness and education and everything else and simple strategies you know that could be all that's needed mm, you know yeah. and detoxing from social media for instance and boundary setting and all of that you know yeah. and and body image that it might be a that big case of it might save that person from going into a full-blown eating disorder and, and still having to wait for treatment. So for me, yeah. it is getting the preventive, the education in, <clears throat> the awareness at, at a younger age. And that's where I, I actually really am passionate. Yeah, it's so exciting. Well done and thank you, you know, because yeah. it's such important yeah. work. And the book is, the book is cool. We've got... <laughs> The book, we've finally got the, um, and I put a vote to it in my group, Facebook group, and it's called Craving Freedom. Ooh, I love it. (laughs) So good. Craving Freedom, the R4 method to overcoming food addiction. And it's just basically on the R4 method and where it can go in the NHS, education, um, to the public, so yeah, so it's all about really the R4 method and where it can go on my vision, really. I want an army of food addiction coaches. Yeah. You know, armed with the facts to go out there and, and just help because we we just need it. We need the coaches in schools, we need it in hospitals, we need we need them everywhere. Yeah, no, I mean it's a difficult one because this comes up quite a lot in um, you know, in sober forums, because there is like if you're looking at alcohol, there is that kind of the, the sugar drop you know um when when people stop and so people do tend to to you know replace with sugar and there is that kind of like it's where well, it's kind of harm reduction in in the short term right it's like well okay you know there there is that metabiological thing going on um mm. that you need sugar or you're you're sugar deficient because you're not drinking wine for example um mm. and also you're not drinking so it's like you know why not have a 
some M&Ms on a Friday night. But mm. I guess like what's the the signs to look out for when you you think maybe that now is becoming a cross addiction and maybe that you know what 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 can people yeah I guess how can they well, the tell clock. you know well it's like alcohol isn't it it's, it's it's that craving again yeah um it's the craving it's the obsessing about it and you've got to have to have it no matter what mm. that's those are the signs um and it's repeated and it's daily um if it's once a week twice a week okay that's fine um, but when it's, I have to have this now, you know, it's my overriding thought. Um, and, oh, I've got a packet there, but can I have one or two of M&Ms? Now I've got to have a whole packet, which mm. you would have, because it's so, that's the, what it's designed to do, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so when it becomes, like, uncomfortable, it's like, this is, mm, you know, people know, especially when they're coming through, um, you know, recovering from the you know, alcohol. But, yeah um, I get, that's so, a really interesting thing to say isn't it it's like people know because that's the same with alcohol you know it's like yeah. you you know yeah you well know. I've got to correct myself there actually because you know the brain is good at denial isn't it yeah um so we could easily kind of go oh well it's just for now you know and mm. it's not that bad and it's not alcohol it's sweets or it's you know the donut or the cake or the pizza so you know we can go into that probably bit of denial again Mm. with that until you you know finally oh my gosh but if it's if it's got to the point where you are craving for it mm. um then easily and because we have got addictive personalities I think we always have to be aware of that whatever yeah. we're doing mm-hmm. um you know I, I can addict easily with work or you know silly things like buying a magazine and there's an article and then I used to go and find other magazines that maybe had the same person talking about something and I wanted to see if it was a different slant. It was that ridiculous, Hmm. you know, and I'd buy tons and tons of magazines to find. Again, it was, what's going on there with me? That's nothing to do with, it's your personality. Yeah. So I'm constantly aware of that. And I do find it funny sometimes now because it's just little things that I do, um, yeah and again it's it's that sort of like taking a compassionate look isn't it it's just like okay you know what's going on sweetheart like why 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 are you now bought like 15 books and you haven't read any of them yet (laughs) or you know certainly work work I think is like a a big thing for a lot of people especially when you kind of then finally you know you're working in something you're passionate about Mm. It's like double whammy, isn't it? It's just like, yeah. okay, but I'm fast because I want to. So you've got that yeah. double dopamine hit, you know. Yeah. So, again, it's, again, I could easily just like immerse myself and dive in and go down the rabbit hole with what I do. Um, but I know I still have to really look after myself. Yeah, yeah. Kate and I, so, I mean, we were, we're both pretty burnt out at the moment and we've been talking about it a lot of just like, okay, you know, how do we just reel it in? you know mm. take take a breath and and again it's like on a when you're looking at the brain it's like our brain needs time needs rest mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know that's when the good ideas are generated not when we're in burnout and like you know yeah. doing 20,000 things it's when we're settled and still um, yeah that's it totally yeah more so, done that way yeah than the other way so if people, you know, are listening to this and they're thinking, oh, this might be something I, you know, 
is resonating with me how how can they work with you or yeah what how can they get in touch um, um if you just um look on www.thefoodaddictioncoach.co.uk and right. you'll find me there and all day any program you want to jump on that's great and um, if you want to work with me um, if you have any issues around food then you know you can contact me um through my email which is on there as well and uh yeah take it from there so there's lots of information on there yeah and I, I guess sort of first steps I guess you know what would you suggest if people are need to test this out a little bit what would you suggest to maybe I don't know perhaps try and stop the behavior what, what are first steps um first steps is be aware of it mm. um be aware um as I said we can go into denial but you know after this podcast everybody's been listening to it and they thought oh that that is me actually I've been thinking that's not too bad then just try you know the week and just see what how you feel not having it mm. see what happens if you're driven to be having that that substance that food um we call it a substance use disorder now food use disorder that if you're driven to have that then I think there's just very very simple things number one just be forgiven and accepting of yourself that's fine we've got everything's got to be done with love um but I would say the first step is see if you can um cut it down if you can't then you probably need a little bit of help but there could be things like um you know, if you're craving that, have you eaten properly? Are you are you eating three nice meals a day? Because I always think that's really important. Um, have you not eaten? It's like, you know, a friend of mine rang me up yesterday, goes, oh my God, I've, I've just had, you know, da, 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 <clears throat> five cupcakes from Gail's Bakery. Oh, and Gail's. I, said, <laughs> I miss London. I yeah. <laughs> and I said, have you, did you eat before you went out and everything else? And she went, no. So I always think when you go shopping, you know, before you do, have something really healthy to eat. Have a, you know, have have a plan of eating. You know, so three times a day. You know, I don't, I do not believe in restricting. So there's less likelihood of you craving whatever those M and M's, for instance. So it's kind of looking at back at what is making you pick that up all the time. Yeah, and it could be just pure. It's just the pure chemicals in it, the pure whatever. So it's more, it's a neurochemical thing, isn't it? Food addiction. Mm. It comes from the biochemical standpoint rather than psychological. So it could be just, you might need to eat something, be just regular eating and see if that now tails off the cravings for those things. And did you say you had a, a group? Is that part of your programme? Because I know obviously like in sobriety connections. I have, so. I have, no, I have, what I have is, um, no, no, not yet. And that's what I'm setting up. Um, right. I've done BC, but I'm doing... I have a group for people who are training to right, be right, right. coaches. So I have a group for, for them. Um, but yeah, I'm going to be setting them up in the new year. Right. Yeah. And it's then, exciting. I know, it is. Busy, busy. Um, so you've got the, 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 that group coming up in the new year. And the book, when's the book going to come out? 1st of December. Is it? December. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, really done. soon. I know, it's exciting. So that's coming out and um, yeah, I will, I will let you know. Yeah. And so we always finish with a tip of the day and your reason to love being sober. So what's your tip of the day? Tip of the day is, I always kind of start saying I am enough. You know, that's the first thing. I'm all right. I'm okay. I am enough. I am enough. And I'll say that to myself in the mirror. I'm enough. 
Yeah. Oh, I love that. Here. That's fine. And what was the second thing? Your reason to love being sober. Oh, just one. <laughs> <laughs> um, I actually generally feel just happy, alive, fulfilled. Um, being with my boys, quality time with my children, and being able to, you know, be able to do this. Yeah. And have, you know, and not keep going back and going backwards when I was drinking and you know, everything was halted or destroyed, you know, being able to create something rather than destroy things, destroy relationships, destroy, you know, my dreams, you know, very much there now. Yeah. Oh, thank you so much. It's been brilliant to chat. Yeah, Yeah. it's lovely to see you as well. Yeah. And, um, yeah, well, we'll chat afterwards. But um, yeah, if uh, you are interested in Bumley's work, then please do, you know, get what's your Instagram handle? What's the. Um, at the Food Addiction Coach. At the Food Addiction Coach. And then, you know, www.thefoodaddictioncoach.co.uk. There you go. Got it. Um, you know, and thank you for your, your work because it's so needed and it's so, you know, so important. Yeah. Um, is that permissive? addiction isn't it it's one of the the ones where everyone just overlooks it and it you know and And I think I think what happens is I think the one thing that I would say was my biggest kind of um concern about becoming an established you know food addict is that I could go back to alcohol again Mm. and that's what I didn't want to do um I didn't want to go back down that road so I had to nip this one yeah 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 and that's a really yeah really important point as well um yeah well thank yeah. you I'm so grateful and um yeah if you're listening to this and you're immediately concerned about your drinking or any other addictive behavior you know do mm-hmm. reach out you can um email us at info at lovesober.com you know if we're not the right people we can always you know we've got a I was going to say a file of facts then, but who has one of those? But we have, you know, we we, we know a lot of people, you know, thankfully in lots of different areas. So we can always, you know, redirect you um, and signpost the appropriate support. You're not alone. And, you know, we're all sort of recovering from something, as she recovers would say. And um, we're very blessed, both Bumney and I and Kate, to be, you know, she recovers uh, designated coaches as well. And um, yeah. All right. Well, um, we'll see you next week for more chats. Thank you, Mandy. Take care, everybody. Bye. Bye.